Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post-Dispatch, joined in an, on an emotional edition <laughs> of the NetFront by oh, yes. beat writer Jim Thomas and outgoing, departing beat writer Tom Timmerman, who's sliding over to cover our Major League Soccer team. I'll be all about the city, and uh, and Tom's been a soccer guy for, for many decades. We'll talk about that, but... Uh, an emotional time, JT, because your, <laughs> yes. your wingman is uh, is uh, is shifting into a, a new and exciting opportunity at the Post and Dispatch. I'm, I'm so happy for Tom to get this chance with the MLS. The city is so so abuzz with the uh, with the uh, soccer. And uh, uh, the last time I saw Tom was was after the uh, was it the Minnesota game. I, I gave him the man oh, yeah. hug. I appreciate it. I'm I'm an emotional sort. And uh, Tom was so good to me, continues to be so good to me when, when the football writer came over to the uh, beat. So uh, I'm sure Tom will show up in that press box from, from time to time, but not seeing him every day, uh, no longer as a full-time guy. It's, it's going to be sad. We had, uh, we had a lot of uh, interesting times together over, over these, uh, that's my, my sixth year doing this. But again, I'm, I'm so happy for Tom and the town already knows, but uh, uh, our soccer coverage is going to be second to none because uh, uh, he knows the sport and he knows how to write and report. So what more could you ask for except maybe winning the MLS cup or what, what, what is it called, Tom? What, what's that? Called? Well, it's, it's the event is MLS cup. It's the Philip Anschutz trophy. The, uh, the last time I looked on name for the guy that basically saved the league uh, in, in some of its earlier uh, dodgier days. So, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite the time. And uh, uh, I've seen a lot with Jim and, a lot with Jeremy before that and go way back. I saw stuff with uh, Derek, but it's uh, I've got kind of a, a tour of uh, of uh, the Post-Dispatch staff there, but it's been uh, it's been great and certainly uh, fun handling it with Jim here over uh, yeah these uh, these six seasons. Well, you guys teamed up to bring the cup. <laughs> you were and it was all because of us, wasn't it, Tom? Pretty yeah. much, pretty much, yes. Play Bennington. I think I said that at some point. Just you know, maybe try the other goalie for a change. <laughs> and uh, and the next thing you know, there there it went. You also didn't you also tell uh, because at the beginning it was uh, Schwartz, Shen, and O'Reilly in some order. You, you were the one that you know you might try this Perron with O'Reilly. I, I believe that was you. I I made many suggestions over the time. Like I said, we went back and dug out the chat archives or whatever. We find all sorts of yeah. suggestions in there. So. It, well, yeah, I, wanna, it happened. I gotta ask you, Tom, because you're you've been in this town a long, long time. And you like say you've been through different beat writers at the post dispatch. Uh, just when you had a chance to step back, and it probably took you um, a couple of weeks to step back, anyways, given how busy the it was covering the playoffs on a Stanley Cup run. But when you step back after a couple of weeks and think and thought about it, um, you know what? You know, how did you reflect on that, the, the championship and what it meant to people? You've had a chance to get to know a lot of fans over the over the years and, and understand the frustration of a franchise that had never won. What did it, what did it mean um, when you stood, stood back and realized what that run was? I, you know, I, I, I think for any of us who were there on that day, the day of the, the victory parade was the most amazing thing. I've been, I was at the Rams victory parade. I was at the Cardinals victory parade. There was nothing like the Blues victory parade. <laughs> that thing was Amazing. I mean, just the sheer vast number of people. I always remember I, I went down the parade route on, I hitched a ride on Jake Allen's fire engine. And I remember as we turned by Enterprise Center, just the, the fans on the parking garage, and they're just like these limbs sticking out from the, 
from the from the parking garages there are people uh, waving and clamoring. It was it was uh, a, a an incredible sight, and it just I mean the the depth. And then you got to the arch, and there were just you know they're rounding up a gazillion people there. But um, I mean all the people, and I, I alluded to this in the chat yesterday. At one point, I always loved that someone had took like a, a St. Louis Rams like beach towel and placed it in the middle of Market Street so that the Blues Parade could run over the uh, the Rams towel, kind of a ceremonial, take that, uh, take that Rams. So uh, yeah, and I got injured during the parade. I, I, you know, mistimed my jump onto Jake Allen's fire engine and, uh, and uh, screwed up my uh, shin on that and, uh, but avoided getting hit by other cars and uh, safely made it to the end. But I did have a bruise on my shin from that for um, many months. But yeah, you know, being there in Boston, it was one thing to see it and certainly the celebration within the team. But when you saw just what it meant to the city of that parade, that was uh, just something else. Uh, well, and you finally had done one last blues chat. <laughs> and do you have a chance to say a bit? Uh, I guess that's emotional too. As people were, you know, and one in particular aware that you're moving to, uh, you know, has known for a couple of weeks that you're moving to a different beat. Um, mm -hmm. Had to be tough. Had to be tough for the regulars. <laughs> there, there were many people that actually that that said they would miss me. And, um, you know, the chat, you know, you know, the chat wouldn't be the same, uh, you know, without me. And uh, um, but, uh, you know, at least the chats I did, you know, I'm sure Jim's chats will be largely the same as they have been. But uh, yeah, there. Uh, you know, it's nice. I mean, I know you know the, the the dozen or so people that over the last few weeks in the chat have said goodbye. It's it's been it's been nice because, as we know, chats can get contentious at times, and people can uh, can take what issue you? Uh -huh. <laughs> with things you say and uh, and can uh, take take jabs at you. And uh, yeah, so uh, but it was it's nice to know that uh, that I'll be missed. Though 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 you know it's. It's pretty pretty good chance I haven't covered my last Blues game or practice. I think that's pretty uh, pretty safe to say. Or maybe, uh, maybe even chat. I don't know. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> well, let's. Uh, well, well, we it's will. Like the, it's like the CIA. You can't you can't escape, man. No, no you're so good at everything that you'll get. To, you'll you'll end up being plugged in. But uh, JT, uh, we have uh, Matthew DeFrance coming in. Uh, acquisition, uh, young legs, a lot of energy mm -hmm. uh, coming in from the Dallas Morning News. And uh, looking forward to, uh, he's done a great job covering the stars and he will be uh, plugged in, uh, jumping in and hopefully we can get him on the podcast starting next week, but uh, that'll be exciting too. You get to break in Well, he, he's been covering the league, but you get to help him get to know the blues. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to tell him too, uh, very little about covering hockey, but yeah, in terms of the team and, and how things operate and the little idiosyncrasies of the players you know what a good quote jordan cairo is stuff like that uh but uh yeah he's a pro and uh uh fans are going, going to love him he had his first byline i guess the uh the other day with the doug armstrong uh press conference while i was on the plane to uh toronto and uh uh yeah a great uh, a great hire by the uh by the post dispatch that's for sure a major trade deadline acquisition right there so we uh we started things rolling but we didn't and we got him we got him for free. We didn't have to give anybody. It was a, yeah. kind of a waiver claim or how you want to look at it, but uh, yeah. a big addition to the staff. Yeah. I think we had a couple of guys with no trade clauses and that kind of gummed it up. And so I think we were, so, we, it was a strain to get him under the salary cap, but uh, we'll, uh, 
<laughs> we'll make it work. Well, uh, on to the hockey, uh, JT, the uh, a very spirited game in Toronto. It wasn't the prettiest game, but, you know, for those who are still questioning whether the team wants to win, I mean, it's pretty clear that's not the issue. They, they want to win. The compete level was very high in that game. It wasn't always pretty, and there were mistakes made, and some mistakes resulted in goals. But, uh, you know, for those wondering, the, the Blues still will show up for the fight. And uh, so there's there's that much anyway, still still the structural issues, but uh, certainly they uh, they had a response against one of the better teams in the league, not one of the better checking teams, but one of the more skilled teams. And that ended up being a heck of a heck of a two point uh, earn there. Yeah, it was. It was a uh, uh, <coughs> a fun game to to watch and, and to cover. And uh, so without uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko, I mean, who would have thought the uh, the Blues would uh would outscore Toronto. I certainly didn't. And uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, Toronto's defense is actually as much of a factor in their success this year as their, uh, their cavalcade of stars. I mean, they, they entered the game second in the league in, in, in scoring defense, but the, the blues put up five. Then, then we go to uh, the shootout and I mean, I'm ready to pack the bag and go downstairs. I mean, <laughs> They're, they're lining up a murderer's row of guys in the shootout and the blues, you know, had some guys, but like, I think Thomas was Oh, for four, only four shootout attempts before that, which was one out of five, only five shootout attempts. And his first career shootout he made earlier this season. I think it might've been, I forget who it was Colorado, maybe anyway, one of the early uh, uh, shootouts. And, and then you're going up against uh, who they send out there. Nylander, some guy named Marner, some guy named Austin Matthews. Oh, how about that goal? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! And so and somehow the the Blues managed to uh, uh, to win the shootout. So you know they're not going to score obviously uh, uh, five goals every game, but uh, it, it was uh, it was refreshing to see guys like Shen and Saad that need to step up uh, stepped up and. Uh, uh, you know, guys like uh, Alexandrov and neighbors, you know, this is this is on an audition for them. They could very well end up having roles on the team next year. And, and although we barely saw Alexandrov, uh, neighbors presence was uh, uh, very, very much uh, felt, especially by Mark Giordano in the in the corner when uh, when uh, neighbors separated him from the puck and that resulted in the in the Josh Levo goal. Yeah, I, I wonder how much of that you know, was the huge adrenaline jolt they got of like, gosh, we got to play. Everyone's got to play. And can they sustain the the energy that they brought in that game to these other games? Can they do it in New Jersey, um, you know, in Montreal? Because they're going to have to play like that every night. And if there's one thing we haven't seen from this, the Blues this season, it's been playing the same way every night. So... If they can, they got to channel what they did at Toronto and keep doing that because they did play very well. But you also look at that team and say, well, it's a two-line team. And, uh, you know, they got to get that, you know, even thing, the fourth line was hard to find. They didn't play much, which is often the case. And that third line is still going to be battling to, to get on the ice. Well, I think it was interesting, JT, because um... – as we look at look at this team, we've talked a lot about the potential of uh, 91 moving on, 90 moving on. Uh, you know, it's a distinct possibility just with expiring contracts and nothing lasts forever. And the salary cap is is not going to shoot up as much as they initially hoped. So the challenge 
to try to stay competitive while waiting for younger players to develop and trying to fill in behind this group that won a cup, they're going to need uh, guys like Brandon Saad and, and Braden Shen, you know, who are under term on under contract for, for a number of years and Pavel Buchnevich, they're, they're going to need those guys to keep the team competitive. Yeah. It's Thomas and Cairo as, as a new foundation, I suppose, but the, boy, those three right there have to play well going forward this year and moving forward so that there isn't too much expected of neighbors or too much on Bolduc or Sugarud. So you, these guys are going to make it at some point, but man, these three, uh, it's time now. And I think Doug Armstrong kind of laid it out there for him. Yeah, he, he, he sure did. And, uh, you know, there was a scenario and a very possible scenario where the team, unless Bolduc maybe makes the team, where the team doesn't look much different than what we're seeing right now. Even if, Tarasenko or Riley are traded before the deadline or they leave without a contract, which is very likely. I think folks that play uh, uh, fantasy uh, hockey with the Blues roster keep forgetting that they only have 14 million of cap space for next year already. And they have only, I believe it's 14 players under contract. So you've got to sign nine players for 14 million unless Doug Armstrong can move some money. And uh, he told me last year at the draft, right before free agency, that he tried to move some money. In other words, make some trades and just couldn't. More than half the league is, is cap strapped. So I don't think David Pasternak is, is coming to the Blues <laughs> next year. Again, he can move some money. He hasn't been able to do that. Well, who are the two most likely candidates? I would say right now are Tory Krug and Marco Scandella. But they're both injured, and they're both going to be out for a little while longer. So if there's a trade to be made, I think with Tarasenko and uh, O'Reilly before the trade deadline, I think it's most likely it's going to be prospects or draft picks because of the cap situation. That's that's just the reality of what's going on here. Yeah, you know, the contracts you would look at are going to be those defenseman contracts. Those are going to be those would be the ones trade. Yeah. And, you know, and if, and if you can work a Krug deal, you know, that could open up a little bit of money, but it's going to be tough to find guys, you know, Scandella, you know, is a case where there might be an Arizona, whoever is going to be next year's Arizona that is going to say, we got to hit the, hit the floor. And so we got to take on a bad contract um, just to, to add more money. But, you know, that like the Krug deal with the number of, if for any of those trends for Krug, for Pareko or Falk, they got a lot of years. And those, those are going to be tough. You know, of those, the most appealing is probably Pareko because he's the youngest of the bunch. Um, but I think that would be a tough deal for the Blues to make because he's, as much as he's struggled, he's the best defensive defenseman they've got. And so they would be in a tough situation if they parted company with him. When you do look at the younger guys, I guess the, the, the real, the, the spotlight's going to shine bright on, on, on neighbors. Jake's a... Uh, you know, he's, he's had a, a couple kicks at the can, you know, he had a good camp a year ago, a good camp came back, uh, you know, had to lost some injury to, to some developmental time to injury came back and, you know, got his chance early. Didn't really produce, didn't quite, wasn't quite there. Got some confidence in the, in the HL. Now he's a guy that's boy, there's almost, it's going to be hard to imagine him playing bad so badly that he's not going to get minutes now for the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, you know, you kind of like what you see. I think he's skating a little better. He certainly, he certainly is a willing player. Just, you know, 
plays the chief type of game. He's just got to be on it every shift and hold up against much bigger, stronger, and more talented people, which, of course, easier said than done, JT. Yeah, yeah. You know, I talked to, and, and it's on STL Today Now and uh, in the newspaper, for those who buy newspapers, to talk to uh, to Drew Bannister about him down there, and they talked to him a lot about positionally, where, where are the best spots on the ice to get to, uh, to, to not only create chances for yourself, but uh, for the teammates. He said, uh, he said, uh, when neighbors came down like a lot of high-ranked draft picks, his first exposure to the AHL was, what am I doing here and how do I get out of here? And then you, you have to learn to kind of deal with that, to, to, to grasp that. And, and the second time down, I mean, he, he, he was just tearing it up. Seven goals in his last nine games uh, and not included in that figure. He had a game-winning shootout goal in, in, in his last game down there. Now, he, he's not going to be a 30-goal scorer in the league. I, I think we all see a like a 15 to 20 goal guy, a power forward who play defense. He, he's, he's very good at killing penalties. He'll hit people. He's already established that pretty good passer. And, you know, for a middle six guy, uh, uh, certainly a, a, a third line guy, that's a pretty good player. So he just has to, he just has to be that player. Now he told me this, the morning skate in Toronto, he said, he just, his earlier times with the blues, he was just too uptight, maybe too deferring uh, to the other players. He said in uh, Springfield, he learned to relax a little bit, to be a little bit more selfish, maybe to, to take more shots instead of passing it and, and, and to take more risks, be more aggressive on offense. And he, he needs to have that attitude up here in, uh, in St. Louis because uh, they really need him. They, they need him. To, to, to be an effective player for them, for this thing to work uh, uh, going forward. And, and uh, uh, he, you know, he's, he's going to get, he's going to get a chance now, I, I believe for the rest of the season. Yeah. You can't have a good team unless you have good players who are rookies and are making the league minimum. I mean, that's essential. And we saw that in the cup year that, you know, the presence of Robert Thomas, and you have to have that because it's the only way you can make the cap work. I love the fact that neighbors had had lost, 10 consecutive NHL games before the Toronto game. He was there for the whole eight game losing streak, got sent down, got called back up, was there for two games, lost both of those, went back to Springfield. So he had lost 10 consecutive NHL games before getting that win uh, in Toronto. So apparently, yes, it can be done. <laughs> and the, the uh, however, the anti Jake neighbors is uh, uh, Alexandrov. When he came up on November the 9th, the blues won seven in a row. And uh, then he lost two and was sent down. Now he comes up and, and uh, they won in Toronto. So he's, he's eight and two in his, his, his 10 NHL games. Well, JT, while you were on the, uh, on the flight, um, Armstrong said one of the more, uh, one of the more, um, I would call, I would call it scathing assessments of the team where when you're, when the guy who's in charge of your team says, you know, we got a great team atmosphere in Worcester or actually Springfield, excuse me, um, with Thunderbirds, great team atmosphere. Not, the team's not winning a lot, but there's a great team game. You know, it's got structure. Everybody's playing together. There's a bond. So, you know, I, you know, and I just, you hate to leave, have guys leave that atmosphere and, and come to what the blues have become. Yeah. Which is not a great atmosphere. I mean, that was more than a little telling when he says, you know, I mean, I hate to bring a guy up from Springfield because he comes in here and it's like, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. not good, JT. No, no. And it was very interesting. Now, he, he kind of hinted at that in his first, uh, his, his first uh, press conference in the middle of the eight-game uh, 
streak where, uh, you know, the, the, both the Blues said that, uh, I mean, both the uh, Baruby and Armstrong said that neighbors was sent down because it was a better atmosphere in, uh, in Springfield. And, uh, but yeah, that was pretty skating. And here's the thing we've heard so much from the players, from everybody about, boy, we, we this, this team really likes each other. And Armstrong said back in whenever that was, I guess it was late, uh, October when that, that first, that eight game losers restarted, he said they shouldn't play like they like each other on the ice or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, phrasing our words to that effect. And now let's examine this a little bit. Okay. You've got, you've got two veterans like O'Reilly and Tar- Tarasenko in contract years. You already know Tarasenko wants out, but those players are smart players. They're aware players. They've been around long enough to know that, boy, if you're not signed by the time the season started and you're a core player, you don't come back under Armstrong. I, I can't, maybe you guys can think of an example of somebody who came back, but I, I can't. So you, you have that uh, uh, working on, on you. And then you also have these two kids, uh, Thomas and Cairo making 65 million. And uh, maybe it's just in the back of their heads. May, they don't think about it every day or every, every second. Maybe those two guys. And uh, uh, I mean, Tarasenko and O'Reilly, maybe Barbashev, maybe even Nico Mikula are thinking, well, what, what about me? So, uh, yeah, it sure, it sure doesn't look like they're, uh, best friends for life on, on the ice at times. Yeah. So I was going to say, I mean, they, they may like each other off the ice, but when they get on the ice, it's, it's a whole different world. And it's not that they may don't like it. It's just that they are completely out of sync. They just can't, you know, passes become a challenge, you know, it's just so many things they can't get done right on the ice. So, and that's got to be tough if you're a kid to come up and be in an environment where these guys, you want a predictable environment and the blues have not been predictable this year. And you don't know what, you know, you're going to, you've got a job to do. And then you got the guys with way more experience than you who aren't doing what they need to do. And then what do you do? And so that is probably a bad situation for a kid to get in. The blues are doing a little bit better. Um, You know, they are a little more cohesive, but certainly that's been, you know, it's, it's why they are where they are, just because they've been out of sync so much all season. Well, I did like seeing the, um, uh, the some fairly robust play against the, the Maple Leafs, a team that does not play a particularly robust style and doesn't really appreciate getting run into that much. <laughs> but I got to say, JT, <laughs> ah, the old Chuck Norris instincts came back because, uh, and I don't know, Tom, you probably, you've been around long enough to, to say the, the same thing. Okay, so, so, um, this Michael Bunting guy. I mean, look, the the Blues have been guilty of employing such players in the of themselves. I mean, they had Tyson Nash here. Tyson's a heck of a broadcaster. He was a great quote when he was here as a player. But even his teammates grew weary of his antics on the ice. Okay, so Robert Thomas gives him a shot in the chest. Of course, uh, you know, uh, Bunting's head flies back like he just got shot in a convertible in uh, in, in Dallas. Oh. Um, you know, it, it just and, and he buys a penalty. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so later Shen acknowledges, you know, goes to him and, you know, acknowledges the fact this guy, you know, did what he did. But in the old days, you know, look, the answer is simple. If you want your head to snap back, if that's what you want, your head snapping back. Next time I get anywhere near you, you're going to get it. I mean, I'm going to drill you and we're going to see if you're going to how long, how many trips to the chiropractor this is going to take. <laughs> I mean, it just, ah, the old days, that sort of stuff. And again, this. The Blues have been guilty of employing such players themselves. 
in which disgusted people who remember the Chuck Norris division days. I mean, ah, I, Tom, am I wrong on this? Or back me up. Was it you? You see it enough where at least there'd be some response to a guy that was just that flagrant, and it was a brutal call, and it was a game time goal on the power play, and he got away with it. Uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing that would, in the day, uh, exact revenge uh, from someone on the other team. That you you can't uh, you can't do that kind of stuff. But I mean, you can try that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, and but but now also, I mean, the refs are supposed to call it now. I mean, now you have a you have an actual you know way to deal with this, which is it's a penalty for embellishment. Um, and um, you know, if you're good enough, you know, well, I guess you can get away with it. Gordo, the Blues did have 52 hits last. Uh, Tuesday night, 52, uh, according good. to yeah. Ben Hockman, not my research, their highest total in, since 2015. That wasn't enough for you, Gordo? Well, no, they were robust. I love the way they played the game, but, you know, for Bunning to get away with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there's a guy, you were hope, only hope, I was sitting there watching this thing, and, you know, my only hope is they get down to the end of this thing, and, you know, it, the end of over, somehow, I don't think he, did he even play in overtime? Because if he played in overtime, of course, they play keep away in overtime. And it's hard to get a hold of anybody, but you know, at the end of an overtime, we happen to be on the ice, and there's no nothing to be lost by drilling him in the head. That's a good point. Possible. It's not like they're going to award the other team an extra shootout. But, but you know, that's the sort of caveman thinking that's been frowned upon, and uh, there's there's been a lot of do-gooders writing lengthy pieces about you know this sort of um, you know glorifying glorifying violence that people of my generation did. And I I admit I got I got carried away, but still I couldn't help but think about that man. So what can you do? This team did, to get back to your point, JT, there, to where we started this when we started talking about the Blues, there was no doubting to want to. You know, guys like Dolchari, you expect him to run into people, but um, it was pretty much everybody was, was yeah. engaged. Torpchenko, Shen, Barbashev will, uh, will uh, run into people. And really, with the situation they have, they have to play that way, especially against the skilled teams. you got to slow them down. You got to knock them off the puck, or, or or make them a little leery when they're going for a puck in the uh, in the corner that uh, somebody's ca- coming after you. I I guarantee you, Giordano remembers that Jake. Na- you know he's going to remember who Jake Neighbors is after that hit that that led to the uh, uh, I guess it was the third goal uh, by uh, Lero. But that yeah, they're, they're going to have to they're going to have to play that way, uh, maybe without uh, the the caveman aspect though, Jeff. Sorry. Yeah, well, I understand. I. I, I, you know, I admit I, I'm from a different age and I just had a flashback. I'm just, I'm trying to deal with it. Maybe I need counseling. Probably. So. Well, by, the, by the way, Bunting got my vote for the Calder last year for rookie of the year. So, well, he's, he's a good player. player. Arizona, right? Was he Arizona last year or was he Toronto? No, he's, he, yeah, he was very effective in front of the net. Well, he's right for, for a guy who can't, who can barely stand up on skates. Because, I mean, if somebody opens a door at the men's room on the third level, uh-huh. And there's a gust of whatever coming out of there. He's down like he was. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I'll move on. Um, with the rest of the trip, JT, you got uh, immediately for those who catch this podcast ahead of the game tonight. Uh, the Devils played very well, as you noted uh, on STL today for much of the uh, early stage of the year. Hit a little bit of a rough spot, but uh, a skilled team catching them on the second and back to back. But two good scoring lines. You know, pretty good offensive-minded coach and uh, another good assignment a good another good challenge yeah and it looks like they'll get blackwood that that, that uh, as the opposing goalie so a couple things maybe working uh you know in in the blues favor in terms of the uh 
the matchup and uh, New Jersey for all the great things they've done this year that they're only like 10 and nine with, with a couple overtime losses at home. Uh, they're like 14 and two on the road. So who knows, but in some ways the uh, New Jersey reminds me of Buffalo uh, teams that haven't made the playoffs in forever. It's like nine out of the last 10 years for New Jersey. I think Buffalo's at 11, not in the playoffs and counting and, They've accumulated all these high-end draft picks, and finally, it's starting to uh, uh, to pay off. Guys like uh, uh, you know Hughes, uh, Hisher, they're, they're they're playing very well, and uh, they beat the Blues twice last year. So yeah, I, it's going to be a tough tough task for the boys. Though so I've never been to the Prudential Center when it wasn't deserted. If the place is like it's like cavernous there, it, it's it's too big of a building, and there's not enough Devils fans. I don't know if they're if they're turning up this year the way things are going before uh, a midweek game that um, there's there's usually a lot of empty seats uh, there in Newark. Yeah, the problem is it's in Newark, right? I mean, well, I'm sorry, but it's in Newark, and I mean, big some metal, the Meadowlands. You want me to get your postcard, Jeff? Or no? I mean, the Meadowlands. I mean, you can stay in Secaucus. It was in a big parking lot. I mean, you just, you know, off the turnpike. I mean, everybody just kind of came and went. But you know, to have to go into downtown Newark, you know. I, Anyways, this gives me a chance to reminisce. One year I was covering the blues at at New Jersey and I was I was staying in Philadelphia because I was was actually a a blue, a slew road trip. But I was on and I went up to Newark to cover that game. So I took a train up to to Newark to the game. I missed by literally like five seconds the train back to Philadelphia at the at the train station. And I mean, like the doors shut and I'm like, you know, and I so I had to wait. So I had to wait an hour from midnight to 1 a.m. at Newark, at the Newark Penn Station. And and let me tell you, an enjoyable place to be because that's where you'll find the best that uh, Newark has to offer uh, at the train station at uh, between midnight and 1 a.m. And then worst of then to make it even worse, when I got the next train, it it was a local and I stopped in every small New Jersey town uh, between uh, Newark and Trenton. It took like twice as long to get. That's always a memorable road trip for me on the Blues. So you got to see uh, some of the sites then. At, uh, at the- oh yeah, I, I, I don't think you two are going to be on the, any uh, uh, New Jersey Chamber of Commerce uh, commercials in the, uh, in well, the near future. Probably, probably not. No, I mean at least the caucus. It was you know I mean just out in the parking lot. I mean so I could have been anywhere. So that part was East Rutherford, New Jersey. I mean it was fine. But yeah, Tom. Did you- I mean, in the old, in the today's day, with the apps and everything, you would have had time to get on your phone app and double check to make sure that life insurance was paid up. <laughs> because hey, hey, uh, when you get gas in New Jersey, though, don't they pump it for you? I believe. Yeah, so there, the no self serve gas. gas. And, you got that going for you. Uh, well, all right. Last thing, and then JT uh, will wrap up the net front by pointing out that our heroes do get to uh, head to from much maligned Newark to one of the great cities in all of the world, Montreal. And but let's be honest, Canadians are horrible. So (laughs) it should be a good trip all the way around, I would think, for our heroes. Well, except they haven't played very well in uh, in 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 Montreal in recent years. But yeah, they're Montreal is definitely having having a terrible season. So in theory, that's two points there. And then they play uh, uh, Minnesota on the way back. Again, I sound like a bitchy sports writer here. We bitched about the schedule all year, but four times we're crossing customs on this trip into Canada, out of Canada, back into Canada, out of Canada. 
why couldn't they have scheduled Montreal right after Toronto? Am I, am I asking too much guys? Am I, but customs are a lot, uh, a lot easier now with, uh, uh, with in the quote unquote, uh, post COVID age. This is true. I mean, when I came coming back from Calgary on that last road trip, I like, come on in. But uh, yeah, it's still a, it's still an additional uh, uh, task to do. Yeah. And that, that's unusual. I mean, usually the NHL is able to do that. And, and this time they, um, who knows what, what big events are scheduled into these buildings uh, on these available dates. Did they actually say, come on in? Tom? Effectively. I mean, I, I coming through U S customs in Calgary, I like gave the guy, like I, I know I showed him my passport and he said, what do you do? What were you doing here? I said, I'm a hockey writer. I was covering the blues playing Calgary. He said, okay, come on in. I think he did say, come on in. In contrast to when I went up to the Edmonton bubble there in what was that 2021 and my flight connected through Toronto, Tom, you know all about that. Yeah. And I said the same thing to the customs, the Toronto customs lady. And she said, well, what are you doing up here? We got plenty of hockey writers up here. <laughs> That's what she said. I tried to explain that, yes, but I, I'm covering specifically the Blues. But she wasn't too happy to see me. Did either of you two ever get caught trying to smuggle produce into Canada? Because apparently that's a that's frowned upon. Produce. No, I, I've not I, smuggled I, any produce. <laughs> I used no, to I'm smoke not. some produce back in my, my day, but that's like 40, 50 years ago, you know, so. I remember coming through customs at some point in the dog finding something it didn't like in my bag, but I don't know if it was like, like peanut butter or something, whatever it was, the, the dog, I, I did alert a dog, but I'm not sure if that was Canada or coming back from Europe at right. some point. My right, last thing for Tom, uh, any great, Mon have you done the Montreal thing and any great memories of the city and the hot dogs well, or whatever? Um, you know, I was never as big a hot dog fan as many of the others. I, I do love walking around Montreal. They apparently have no zoning restrictions. And so you'll, you'll have, you know, you'll have high class steak joint and fancy, uh, you know, clothing store and a strip joint. Uh, you know, just and they just don't care where anything is. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a nice. But the, the the arenas are good. The people are, you know, they're they're French, and you got to see. You know, they they're not they're not like uh, people in Quebec City where they are very very insistent on you speaking French. But in uh, in Montreal, you know, they would like it if you spoke French. But they're they're a bit more tolerant of those of us who are uh, monolingual. They're French. It's the it's the precise analysis like that that has made Thomas sports writer. <laughs> oh, it's good. So, so you could always count on when the, the Blues would come in that all of a sudden there would be a line of people going to Sammy Blaze stall. Uh, he he was he was always you know he and Perron were big when you when you hit Montreal the the, the, the local media they were they were the favorites. Yeah, and both great guys, of course, and, uh, and you know, David always w welcoming the audience. Well, listen, guys, it's been great. Tom, it's been fun. We're going to see you around the office. We'll see if we uh, if the Post-Dispatch launches a, a soccer uh, podcast. I'm sure that would be a good idea because you could help St. Mm -hmm. Louisans make the adjustment to loving the uh, MLS and broadening mm -hmm. the fan base, which is already a, very energized. So you're going to do a great job for all of our fans of that sport and uh, yeah, JT, we'll just have to break the new guy in and do what we can. Yeah, we'll have to do do what he can. Tom has uh, uh, left large, extremely large shoes to fill on the uh, on the on the on the podcast. But uh, Tom, just your your soccer podcast, just podcast. Don't call it Netfront Presence. That's already no. taken. All right, it's already <laughs> taken. Yeah, you know that's not quite as big of a thing in uh, in soccer as it is in hockey. So we'll have to come up with uh, 
something offside trap or uh, or something. I'm sure Matt. I'm sure Matt the Franks will have his share of fascinating uh, stories and uh, from uh, you know tales of uh, tales of the stars uh, of uh, of things to uh, to keep the audience uh, interested and keen insights on the Blues from a totally new perspective. Here's a guy coming to this team with fresh eyes who could say, what the heck is going on with these guys? Well, we'll let Luke Clark fill them in just a little bit. <laughs> as they pass up another uh, 35 foot shot to find to try to thread the needle on something that's 60 feet away. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. All right, for JT, for Tom, I'm Jeff. This has been the Netfront Presence. Hopefully we'll get a new logo for next week because <laughs> well, that would just have to take a crayon and cross just, Tom's face off of it. You know, uh, but until then, X through it. The big X through it. But anyways, until then, for Tom, for JT, I'm Jeff. See ya. Thank you.